This is the Home Bodies Yoga Podcast, and I'm Rebecca Hirsch, and this is our 36th episode. In this podcast, I ask people what they do when they unroll their yoga mat and tell you a little bit about what's going on on mine. If you have a question about your yoga practice or a suggestion for a guest, please email me at Rebecca at Home Bodies Yoga. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Home Bodies Yoga Podcast. To find out more about each show, please go to our website, homebodiesyoga.com. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And I was looking at analytics today, and I don't mean to point fingers, but if the analytics I'm looking at are right, and I'm looking at them right, which I don't know if that's true, there are a lot of people listening who have not rated and reviewed. And I don't want to tell you what to do, but I would really, really appreciate it. It really helps people find the show. It really helps... Um, the audience to grow and you know maybe if the audience grows enough someday I'll even you know make a buck off this podcast which has really never been my goal and for some reason (laughs) uh, it hasn't been my goal really for most jobs which is probably how I ended up teaching yoga to begin with but I would very very much appreciate it if you would rate and review and subscribe and if you like the show and there's a certain episode that you think someone might like if you would send it to them let them know what's going on. Uh, it's really the best way to get the show out is from you. So, oh, and the other thing is there are finally, they're doing a rating and review on Spotify of podcasts. So if you listen on Spotify, this would be a great time to rate and review there. You could be one of the first people to. Um, yeah. So um, no more pressure. That, that's all I'll ask. Just probably ask again at the end of the show if we're being honest, but for now that's it. Um, yeah, I'm so excited about our show today, and I really think it's going to connect with a lot of you. Um, I interviewed Adriana Feliciana, who I've been thinking about wanting to interview for a while, and this was just like the perfect timing um, to talk to her. She um, is 12 years sober, and a big part of her recovery from alcoholism has been uh, her yoga practice and um meditation and long walks all of which we talk about in the show and I so appreciate her honesty and just sort of frankness about going through it like going through it in her recovery going through it in her life and just being completely honest about you know the struggles of life and and I always find you know I I don't really find it that interesting when there's a pristine kind of yoga yogi and like a all white yoga studio doing like this perfect yoga pose whose life seems perfect from the outside and doesn't share much you know that that kind of a yoga instructor I'm I'm just like not that impressed because I I just can't relate you know it's just not how I see my life and Adriana is just like super honest about what goes on in her life and the struggles that she has and how the yoga practice has helped her and in a way it's much more inspiring to me um, to want to continue with my yoga practice and my meditation practice, talking to someone like her. I think there's this like trend right now too on social media and just kind of in the world of like someone saying like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I go through it. Like things are so hard. And then the thing they share is like, I get hangnails or something. It doesn't actually feel that honest, but Adriana is actually just like very, very honest about her life, about the joys, you know, and the tribulations. Um, And I had a really great time talking to her. I think she has, like, so many gems of wisdom. She's very thoughtful. 
And it was really interesting to hear about her recovery from alcohol and how yoga and meditation and um, all of that really played into it. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. So stay tuned. For my own practice, <laughs> uh, I could actually use some inspiration actually lately. So it was great to talk to Adriana. Um, I am pregnant. I'm like, let's see, 15 weeks. I don't think I, I haven't shared that on the show yet. But yeah, I'm like about, I don't know, I'm due in early July. And um, actually 4th of July, but you know, babies are never born on your due date. Um, and actually, my first trimester was so tough. With Hudson, my first trimester was like, I don't know, I felt I like occasionally would feel like oh, a little bit nauseous or something. But and I didn't really understand what women were talking about when they said like they had a, you know, the, how rough it was. And I really understood it this this pregnancy like man from basically week 7 to like week 12, I just felt like total garbage. <laughs> like, it was really hard to get on the mat, to be honest. It was even hard to meditate, cause, you know, when you're not when you're feeling sick, doesn't really feel that good to be present in your body um I did manage to you know stay active a little bit but it was really difficult and it was actually really interesting to like check my identity because I feel like such a big part of my identity is like being active and having an interest in wellness and meditating and I really couldn't do any of that actually the idea of vegetables made me like super sick which is so weird and funny um but I'm finally feeling better and I'm like it actually feels like I'm like coming up from air from the first trimester. Like I feel like I'm just like seeing everything clearly again because yeah, it was tough. Um, but it's interesting because I'm like getting more active again, like getting back into my practice and getting back into all of the things I love to do activity wise. And it's interesting because I'm coming back and I'm, you know, sort of out of shape because I was like doing very gentle um, practicing in my first trimester and also all of a sudden I have a bump so it's been like kind of interesting to, to discover what this like new body wants to do um, yeah it's been actually a little bit fun like a new discovery of like what I like now because <laughs> my practice has definitely had to shift and I think I will do an episode just because you know one of my specialties is prenatal yoga I think I will do an episode just talking about how my practice shifts and like what poses I do to substitute for certain poses, things like that. Um, but I'm going to keep that kind of in its own episode so that people who are interested, you know, yoga teachers, someone who's pregnant can listen to that um, just straight, you know, and kind of keep it separate from the other episodes. So that'll be a solo episode. That'll probably, I'll probably do that in like a couple weeks. So look for that. Anyway, so excited for you to hear this interview with Adriana. So without further ado, here is Adriana Feliciana. Welcome, Adriana. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is really exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's, um, you know, our second episode of January, and I feel like it's a really good time. It's a time when people are sort of rethinking their habits and rethinking the way that they want to live. So I immediately thought of talking about you because I know talking to you because I know that um, yoga hasn't been a big part of your recovery from alcoholism. Um, so uh, let's just get started. And what, why don't we talk a little bit about how you got interested in yoga and how you, your yoga journey started? You know, it was a really interesting set of circumstances. I was, um, when I first became sober, I started doing these long meditative walks, you know, for a long time. I just 
got outside the minute the sun came up and took my dog and we would go for like 10 miles because I, I was off work at the time. I was in between jobs and we would just go like for long distances. And then when I came home, I was just exhausted and then I would sleep. And that would just be my, my process. It's just like getting out of my head. So a lot of times I listen to um, books on tape, um, some recovery people who went through recovery, like famous people like, um, uh, let's see, Russell Brand was a huge one for me. And it was funny for me because I never really cared for him as an, as a um, comedian. Cause at that time he was just becoming a, he was still this very edgy comedian. But he spoke to me because he was a heroin addict who managed to get out of it. And I thought to myself, my God, if you can get out of heroin, I need to listen to you. I think that you probably have something to say to get me out of, you know, out of my head, my mindset of this constant drinking. Because um, I think it's easy, it's important to clarify, like I was drinking morning, noon and night. I would drink, you know, Jack Daniels in the morning and then I would work my way through that bottle and then maybe bottle um, get a bottle of vodka. I mean, it was very, very intense. And I was extremely sick and I would um, shake if I didn't have alcohol. It was, it was a very, very intense time. So when, as I was coming out of it, you know, um, now that I know more about it, I should have sought some medical advice because I could have really danger. I could have um, put myself into like a serious convulsion kind of situation, but thank goodness I didn't. Thank goodness that didn't happen. Um, so I read the books. I heard the books on tape. We went for these long walks. And then um, just around my birthday, I got this weird coupon and I never, ever get to pay attention to coupons or anything in the mail or anything, but I got this coupon through, um, through my email. And that was way back in the day. This was like 12 years ago. Uh, for a yoga class, one hour yoga class was supposed to be $50. And I thought, it's my birthday. I've always heard that yoga is really good for, you know, recovery. So I thought, well, this is going to be a good thing for me because the, the walks were great. But I thought, how can I make something more out of this? So I bought this yoga um, coupon and then I didn't use it for like four months. I didn't use it. And then right after my um, one year anniversary of being sober it was January 17th. I took, I signed up for a class for January 22nd. I still remember the date. And it was a private class with this wonderful woman named Allegra over in North Beach. And I live in Bayview. So going to North Beach is a huge task on the bus. And I trucked and it was raining like crazy that day. So I get on the bus, I go over there and um, I take this class and it was a real simple class. And she didn't do any of that oming or anything like that because if she had i would have hit the door because i was not religious or spiritual in any way shape or form so it was just a real simple class and at the end i remember she said yeah you know you, you're strong enough you can come back for you know regular classes and i thought okay great so now i walked out that door i took a deep breath and the rain had stopped and the sun was out and i felt breath in every part of my being and i thought to myself I can live in here. And it was the first time that I'd ever taken a true breath. And I remember, you know, when I was drinking, they would say three deep breaths, you know, and I would think the hardest thing in the world to do is to take a deep breath all the way in because it was just, I get emotional just thinking about it. But that was the first time where I really felt like I could truly live in this body by doing yoga, by breathing. And so I went like every day, like regularly, man. I was just over in North Beach doing the trek as much as I could. She was in awe because she lived over in my neighborhood too. And she knew the trek 
to get to North Beach. But that was just a really moving time for me. And I followed her until she was pregnant at the time, until she gave birth. And then um, I found laughing or found giggling Lotus and then finally found laughing Lotus. But that that was the, you know, I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day. Well, interesting. So you sort of created like your own recovery. It took a few years and you like decided like walking and books and yoga would be your recovery. So did you ever go to like um, uh, AA or anything like that? Or you just kind of forge your I own path? I chose to quit many times, you know, don't think that it was just like some miracle thing. Cause I remember vividly just around my birthday before I got sober, where I poured a bottle of vodka down the, the sink and I was like, never again. And, you know, I was, I didn't drink vodka. I drove Jack Daniels from that time on. And I thought, ha ha, you know, but that, you know, that the, the, the alcoholic mind is a, a crazy mind and it takes a long time to come out of that. You know, I realized that for many years after that, it was hard for me to be social with people because I was used to being social with alcohol. But um, yeah, you took a, it was a long journey. It really was. And I did like a lot of study, a lot of reading about people who, you know, who were um, going through it. I loved Intervention, that show about people who were going through it. That was a huge insp- inspiration for me. I watched it before I got um, sober and then I watched it again after I got sober and it was really, really helpful. So, yeah, I, I guess I was pulling from all kinds of tools to kind of build my own sobriety kind of thing, you know. And I found a lot of people in yoga that um, feel the same way, that use yoga, you know, to to stay sober, right? To stay inside the body, to stay inside the mind, to think through what it would be like if I did choose to drink that first drink, you know? That's the biggest thing. It's like, oh, it sounds good to have that drink, but what happens after I have that one, you know? First of all, one will never be enough. I know that for sure. One will never, ever be enough. So, you know... You have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like it's it's really. I mean, I want to say so many things. So first thing is, I, I feel like yoga really is such a good um, way to sort of recognize that because yoga forces you to be present, and alcohol sort of does the opposite, right? For better or worse, you know, sometimes that's what people need and want or want in the moment is to like not be present, and yoga is like, no, you actually the point if you're you're not actually doing it right if you're not present. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. So I find it interesting that, yeah, I, I don't know. And I, I also love this image of you taking these 10 mile walks through San Francisco. So not flat, like really yeah. hikes. <laughs> yeah. And I was really grateful that my dog was young at the time because as she, as he got older, he never would have done those walks. So really <laughs> well that I, yeah, we did these, yeah, huge and it was just so nice to just be, you know, like looking at things, staying present, you know, maybe listening to the books on tape. And yeah, at first I started with classical music and then I kind of, and then, and then there was no music. Like now when I go on walks, I don't listen to anything. I just like to be present with, you know, nature and stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. I, it's so interesting too, when you say like you had a hard time socializing at first, because I know you from Laughing Lotus. So I guess the time I met you, you had been sober probably a year or more, but you're, I've always thought of you as so social and so disciplined, like always, always, always in class, always, 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 always ready to teach, always ready to work at when you worked at the front desk. Like, it's so interesting to me um, what a different person you became when you got sober from what you're describing. 
Well, I'm really grateful that, A, I was in customer service before. I've been in customer service since I was 18. So when I got the job at the Lotus, I just tapped back into my customer service skills. And I put on that, you know, I worked for Clinique, that happy face where you're just like, hey, I'm so happy to see you. And really, I mean, I was inside, I was dying. I was really dying inside. But the yoga was helping me and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's still that gave me the opportunity to make friends and stuff. It really was like this great opening door because I never would have been able to do that. The only time I did that was when I went to bars, you know, and I'd be like, ah, you know, like making friends instantly. And then you wouldn't see them again. But the Lotus was like family, you know, and it's like, it just grew into this wonderful thing. Like every time somebody opened the door, I would go, welcome home. And they would get so happy. It would just be like this wonderful experience because I didn't have a lot of family um, support. It was just me. You know, my family did not think that, you know, they just thought I was pathetic. They didn't really think that I should, you know, like rehab is not something my family's into, you know, and especially alcoholism. Alcoholism is just weakness to them, you know. Mm. So um, I didn't get that, you know. So you guys being at the Lotus and stuff like that was major shot in the arm for me. And it continues to be, you know, the people that I teach out there in zoom land, um, are my support system, you know? And what's that, what's that been like You're uh, so obviously with COVID, which has lasted much longer than anyone thought, (laughs) uh, you sort of have transitioned from teaching in person to, uh, on zoom. How's that been? How's that transition been? You know, what is interesting is, is that, um, at first, when I first started teaching, I remember a lot of my mentors and, um, you know, people who were trying to like lead me on were like, you're just too honest, Adriana, you really need to reel it in like your personal life, you know, because sometimes I would get, I was still going through the throes of getting sober. And the first you get, when you're first getting sober, you're just kind of like, you know, kind of preachy and weird. And I don't know, there's things you go through stages. And when I was first sober, you know, I was kind of like, oh, sober is the way to go. And I would just be kind of like that. And people would be like, okay, reel it in for your Dharma talks. When we first do this thing before we start our yoga class, we do a little spiel. So um, that, you know, I did try and pull it back. But then now that I'm home, I find that if I really open up and I talk about the things that are making me insane, like my parents, like, you know, the day-to-day crap that I have to deal with, people really feel it. They really are like, oh my gosh, you know, I am not the only person who feels that way. And it's really nice. And it's not long and dragged out. Dragged out. It's just like this really crazy story about my mom dropping a sheet cake on the floor and then just thinking it's okay. You know, and then you're just going to like, no, <laughs> it's just those kinds of crazy stories where, you know, it's, it's just nice. I think that people really appreciate that. That's what makes it the difference between that and some polished, yoga, you know, video you see, right? Yeah, is that connection, which I think is really, you know, kind of what we've been talking about all along is like a connection to community. It's like such a big part of the yoga practice. Yeah. So now it's like really opening up and really being involved and letting people into my home, which is not like in the greatest of of shape, you know, because my house is in constant construction. So it's like being very vulnerable to being, you know, no makeup, right? I used to be all polished and cute and stuff in the mornings, but now it's like, now it's just being real. We're just going to get up. We're going to move. We're going to be honest and we're going to feel better at the end. You know, what's your practice been like lately? Your personal practice? 
My personal practices and I got to meditate. I have to meditate every morning before anything else. And I know it sounds insane because of you know, I was one of those people who's like, you can't be serious, but my life is so insane and there's so many things. Yoga t- teaches me so much about pulling back and not, you know, I live with my daughter who's raising her daughter do- her daughter who's two months old. And there's lots of feedback that I could say, but I have to like remember my yoga and be like, is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? You know, I reminded myself taking that deep breath before I open my mouth. Meditation helps with that. Meditation <laughs> helps with that. Because otherwise I would be in such a mess, you know, living with with all of these different personalities in this house. Meditation is key. And then after that is, you know, I have to make sure that I do some movement. So it's either that meditative walk that I spoke about earlier or I'm getting on the mat. It's, just, you know, now that I'm watching uh, my granddaughter, it's really kind of like, you know, one or the other, but trying to at one one thing at least a day to just kind of, you know, take care of yourself. Because um, one of my students mentioned the other day, it's like, oh, you know, I wanted to eat a piece of cake and, you know, because I felt so good about it. But instead, I did movement and I felt better. And I thought, you know, we have to learn to start replacing those, you know, like, oh, at the end of the day, I look so look forward to the martini kind of thing to something more, you know, less like what you can buy, what you can eat, consume or something like that. But really going for the, you know, the feeling of happiness and gratitude instead. Yeah. And those are the things that actually last, right? Because after you eat the cake, it's gone, <laughs> sadly. Exactly. And then you're filled with the guilt, right? I mean, there's so much that that that's just, yeah. Yeah. That's not uh, a good thing. Um, what, like, what, what sort of, when you get on your mat, what kind of practices are, do you, are you liking? Like, are you doing vinyasa? Are you doing lotus flow? Like, what are you doing? I stick with the lotus flow. I really do. And if I'm really feeling down and out and I can't seem to like get it going, I just do at least five sun salutations just to get my, you know, and then those like, and those are like those breathing things. Because sometimes, you know, I get depressed. I mean, my kids, both my, um, my daughter and her partner came down with COVID during Christmas and I was like flat out depressed and I did not want to get on my mat, but I was like, just five sun salutations that's all you got to do just five and then sometimes it would develop into more and then sometimes it would develop to me just being in child's pose and just like sobbing right but at least it was movement that got me to that where I could feel that rather than you know like the depression sits on you like a huge coat and sometimes you have to move through it in order to like get warm so you can take it off you know kind of thing and it's so easy to be just like, I'm just going to wear this. I'm just going to, you know, eat mac and cheese on the couch. And, you know, it's, it's so easy to fall into the, the, the darkness. And, you know, there's all kinds of forms of darkness. That's something that cracks me up. I thought alcoholism was my only darkness. And then I realized, no, there's lots. There's lots of, because once you give up the alcohol, then there's this need, this need to fill the hole. And so then you start to like, you know, you find yoga brings you back to that. Makes you aware of like, oh my gosh. You know, I'm filling this hole with like yoga pants were a big fa- fascination with me. I could I could not stop buying yoga pants and um, you know, just all kinds of crazy things that I would just like fixate on where I was like, oh, yeah, this is bringing me joy. But it's not. You, you have to. You have to, you know, realize where the holes are. <laughs> and when you're going through recovery, is that like something like would you recommend 
or like, would you recommend letting yourself do that a little bit? Like, do you feel like the yoga pants were a way for you to get through and like, it's fine? Or, or do you wish you hadn't done it? Oh, no, I think that it was, I think it was a little crazy now that I look back at it. I don't know how many pairs of pants I had, but it was, it was a joy. It was a total joy. And there were just like crazy things that I used to do. Like when I first got sober, I used to eat um, sunflower seeds. I would sit there and eat sunflower seeds incessantly, but I had to be alone. And I had to like, you know, just like get down and dirty with like a pound of them. And I don't know why it was just like this weird kind of fascination thing. And now that they tell me, well, yeah, that's what alcoholics do. They kind of, you know, go through the little peccadillo things and stuff. And then I passed through that. And then there was like, um, when I was in coffee, I was drinking so much coffee, but it was like a stimulant thing. And then I just walked through my way through that too. I, it, I just noticing where it's at, how it's, you know, it's a constant gorilla. You just kind of notice it and then you go, okay, I'm going to reel it in. I'm going to reel it in. But it's, it's kind of, it gets funny. It gets funny sometimes, you know, the things that I can fixate on and stuff like that. And I just realized that's, that's my addiction. You know, I mean, it's for going to be forever with me. So I feel like everyone can relate to that. Everyone has their gorilla that they, you know, a different thing that they obsess about, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, it's interesting to hear like other people talk about their, their things, their little, the ways that they handle situations and stuff like that. I'm still fascinated by somebody who says, Oh, I have a glass of wine, just a glass of wine, that one glass of wine, and then that's it. And then I don't, you know, I don't think about it. I don't drink it. That bottle stays, you know, open for days. I'm like, for days? Are you serious? For days? <laughs> I just can't even wrap my brain around that. But, you know, that's great that some people can do that. That's awesome, you know? Yeah, they have their other things, though. You know, everybody has their thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then when you're, when you meditate, is that just, do you just sit on your cushion in silence? Like how, what's your meditation practice like? Like, what do you do? For a long time, I was trying to make it like this real big religious thing where I was trying to like carve out space and stuff. And that was wonderful too. I mean, it, it filled a need, but now I'm realizing, you know, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. It could be on the stoop of a stair if I have to be, you know, if it's something, wherever it's at, it's okay. It doesn't have to be this whole kind of fold your legs kind of thing. Cause you know, now as I get older, my body is not really speaking to me in the same way it used to. And Lotus pose is just not going to hold it. And so I have to be kind and gentle with my body because I want to sit for, you know, at least 10, 15 minutes, at least just, you know, so we got to find a comfortable spot, but if that's in the park or, you know, wherever it's at, cause sometimes I tried to be real, real um, religious with the time too. And now, you know, my schedule is up in the air. <laughs> if I, I mean, if I can get it done first thing in the morning, that's awesome. But if it doesn't happen until mid afternoon when she goes down for a nap, then that's okay too. You know, learning to just let it roll is is part of life. You know, is you know, that's part of my thing is letting go. I think that's my biggest thing this year is just letting go with my schedule kind of thing. And Roxy's keeping me true to that. Yeah, it's funny. I you being the primary caregiver for your granddaughter, it's so you sound so much like a new mom. Like these are so many things that I learned just two years ago. Like, you know, sometimes the meditation is holding the baby. Sometimes meditation is late. Like you really have to let a lot go when you're caring for a two month old. 
Really, really do. Yeah, I'm so grateful for my yoga because, you know, the first time around, it wasn't pretty when I was raising my kid. So it's really nice to be in the second time around where you're like, okay, I'm going to do this right. I know how to do this now. I got this. Well, I have to know. I know maybe you you keep your advice from your daughter, which I think is a good idea because my mom has to do the same. <laughs> but what is your, like, what, like, what are you doing differently? Like, what do you what are you doing differently now that you're a grandma instead of a mom? I'm truly like letting Audrey, just my daughter, run the thing, right? You know, and I just pull myself away from the situation completely. Sometimes I remove my my physical being from the room because I just can't. I'm just going. I'm going to say something, and I'm just. I have to let her make her own mistakes. You know, that's the whole thing. It's it's like a lot like when you let your kid walk. You know, they're like, they're going to fall. They're going to fall. And so you want to walk around with them just like, you know, covering over them the whole time where you just kind of go, they're going to fall. You know, when they go to school, somebody's going to hurt their feelings. It's going to happen. But as a mom, you want to be like, ah, no, but you got to let them go. And, you know, it's interesting. I thought I got all over that, you know, her being bro, moving out, all the rest of that stuff. But no, 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 no. It's still more and more of letting go, you know. I think that's part of getting older. It's just learning to let go. Yeah. Yeah. The older I get, the more I realize that as well. Letting <laughs> go of your practice, how it used to be, you know, it's like every vinyasa used to be chaturanga all the time. And now it's like, it's going to look a little more, more different because I'm going to be a little bit kinder because I'm trying to, you know, stick it through the long haul. I want to be doing this when I'm 80. So, you know, I got to be kinder to myself. It's funny you say that. I was just thinking, you know, um, just for the everyone listening, we Adriana and I have a teacher in common named Keith. And um, I remember Keith teaching, I think he was teaching a teacher training. And he said, I remember he was teaching Surya Namaskar A. And he said, like, you know, sometimes now I don't hop forward and back. I just don't feel like it. And I remember being like, I would never. I hop forward and back every six. I mean, I was 20. I was probably 25 every single time. And now I never. I'm like, why would I hop when I can just take a nice walk <laughs> to the front of the mat? Now, I felt the same way when I first started doing yoga. I was like, I have to do every single vinyasa and I have to do every chaturanga because otherwise I'm not doing an exercise. I'm not getting a sweat. Therefore, I'm not getting, you know, and it was, I saw it as exercise, but really it's different. It's so much more different than that. And once you let go of the whole fact of, you know, how do I look, what is, what's going on here physically, then it really starts to take on, a, you know, a life of its own. Because um, I remember my yoga teacher, my first yoga teacher told me, you know, you're not going to get abs of steel doing this, like the way, because she thought that I was like some North Beach mom who was like, you know, looking forward to having some kind of you know, Zumba exercise or something like that. And she was like, what I'm offering you is more movement. And I was like, no, whatever it is that you have, I'm, there's a reason why I'm here. And so that that's how we took it. But, you know, yeah, definitely being kinder to yourself as you get older is, is a huge part of it. Yeah. I mean, have you noticed that people in your classes um, on Zoom are, are wanting a more gentle practice uh, or more active? Like what are people wanting these days? I feel like they want to be active, definitely want to be active, but um, they want the opportunity to, you know, to like be slow too. So I give them both opportunities. And I also say too, you don't have to do every chaturanga. I always say that. I mean, just don't compare yourself to how you were yesterday, <clears throat> to how you are today. Listen to your body. And I say that every single time. And I think it's 
one of the things that kind of gives somebody a little like, you know, uh, uh, get out, you know, hall pass or whatever you want to call it, just where it's like, you know, she says it's okay. So then it's going to be okay kind of thing, you know, because I needed that. I needed somebody to tell me, you don't have to do it every time. You know, nobody's giving out medals at the end of the class. You're not going to have, you know, more muscles because you do it every time. Just, you know, relax. Listen to your body. Yeah, I definitely feel like learning that yoga doesn't, like yoga can be, it can be really active or it cannot be active has been the only reason I'm still doing it, honestly. <laughs> because, you know, sometimes I want to spend my energy on other active activities. Um, like, you know, you have your walks or like, you know, whatever people want to do. So sometimes it's nice to have a really chill yoga class, honestly. Yeah, very much so. When I was, um, the last couple of months, I've been painting the house, you know, the inside oh, wow. of the house. And this motion of moving your arm up and down, you cannot do yoga and do that motion all day long. Trust me. So it would have to be just like a movement of stretch in the morning and then allowing this painting motion to be my yoga for the day. Because, you you know, I mean, I'm 54 years old and I was like, just, you know, crawling over stairs, standing on ladders sweating because I was so nervous that I was going to fall into the staircase painting because I was like, I'm the only one who can do this. I have to do this. <laughs> How's it look? My yoga. It came out great. It really did. <laughs> I also had to let go of the drips, you know, yeah. let, go of the drip. let go of the fact that somebody took the ladder down the stairs after I was done and yelled a huge gash into the wall. I was like, okay, let go of that. Right. At one point it looked great. It was great for a couple of days and now it has a huge gash in it. <laughs> I don't want to know that. And, and it was just like yoga, yoga, yoga is everywhere. It truly is. If you can let go of a gash in your wall after you painted it, <laughs> that is yoga, my friends. That is yoga. And that's what my class is about. It's just like, can you freaking believe, you know, how hard I tried and yet life happens. And so is you, and so yoga begins, right? So much letting go. <laughs> um, are there any books or um, or audio audiobooks or books that you recommend to someone going through recovery or someone just getting into yoga, either one or both? Um, I loved Russell Brand's book, his first book that he was, um, I can't remember what it was called, like my bookie nook or something. He was being really silly with it. Um, now he's super into yoga. Now he's like this big transitional guru kind of person. And it's funny because I think we kind of made the transition at the same time. But when I first started following him, he was just this nutball who was just like barely off of heroin. And that, that book was was one of the books that I read. And I was it's like, again, I was not a fan. So that was, which was huge about it was reading something that, you know, I really didn't care for him very much. I thought his comedy was a little off, but I was like, no, he seems like somebody who, you know, if he can fight, if he can beat heroin and alcoholism, he had, you know, multiple problems. <clears throat> I thought, well, I can do that. You know, I can, I can listen to him. And then the other one was Craig Ferguson, the guy who used to be on um, late night television. He's a Scottish fellow. He was brilliant. He wrote a book about his recovery and it was amazing. And he's also a brilliant writer, but he was really honest with like the way that he went through things. And, um, and it was just, it was beautifully written. And I was done again, not a fan of his. But um, I, there was something about the way he was just so open and honest about um, his drinking. And he, was, he had this one thing about how he said that 
drinking in the morning can be some kind of like an epiphany. And I was like, it is like that. <laughs> you know, it's like it's okay to romanticize about alcoholism and still be in recovery, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be honest. You have to be honest. You know, there were reasons why I drank and it made me feel really good and it made me feel really bad. And you got to touch, you got to live on both sides of it. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, no, no, don't talk about the good times. Now, you got to talk about the good times, you talk about the bad times, you live it. You know, it's it's about that. And I just liked him being honest about that point. <clears throat> so, yeah, those two books. And then as far as yoga goes, I love the sutras. The sutras spoke to me like like no other. It was the first book that was given to me when I um, first started yoga. And I thought, what a goofy, goofy book, because I didn't understand it. But then I started reading it, especially the one that the Patanjali book that we got when we got in yoga school. Um, and when I first started reading it, it really made sense just out of yoga school. And then when I took, got into yoga school, it made so much sense. And now it's like my go-to book and the pages are falling out. And I love it even more so because, it, you know, it takes on this beautiful life of its own. That's, you know, I love books, the way that they they fall apart and stuff like that from usage and stuff. It just, and journaling is so important. Um, that was the first thing that I started doing when I first started getting sober was just like pouring my heart out, no matter how stupid it is. Cause it's important to get all of that out. <clears throat> um, you know, it's important to, to, and I think that's what AA allows you to do. It's just like open up and let it all out the good, the bad and the ugly. And you know, there's no judgment. And um, no, I've never read back those books, but it was important to like get it out there. That was important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I, I'm so impressed with people who can journal without being self-aware. Like I always journal, but then I picture reading it later and then I can't be honest. Is it? <laughs> That's interesting. You know, um, I had a cousin who passed away and he had a lot of personal letters that, um, you know, his girlfriends and stuff had written him. And it was my sister's job. I'm totally outing my sister here, but it was her job to clean out the apartment. And she read all the letters and then she told everybody about them. And from that point on, I was just appalled. So I got rid of all my journals, all my alcoholic journals and stuff, destroyed them all. So it's like I read them, I write it down, but then I get, I get rid of it. It's, and there's nothing laying around. So, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because then they, when um, we've been to yoga school, they were like, okay, you have to write down your stuff. And I was like, well, I'm going to destroy it afterwards. And Jasmine's like, no, I'm like, no, it has to happen. This, this is the way it's going to happen. Otherwise I just won't write it down, you know? So. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I guess if you know, if you're, you're going to get rid of it, then you can be totally honest when you're writing it. Sure. Yeah. And you can hang on to it for as long as you want. And then just totally just, you know, know that you can get rid of it. Just knowing and maybe not getting rid of it. <laughs> my release. No, you know? Yeah, totally. That's funny. That's my, one of my jobs. My husband says, if God forbid he dies first, um, <laughs> to burn all his journals first thing, don't oh. read them. No one look at them, get rid of them immediately. So, um, I could, I could give the same job to him. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, okay. Just a quick fun round. Um, what is your favorite pose right now? I love triangle. Triangle is one of those poses that just like, I mean, it just really keeps you true, man. It's, it allow it opens up your heart, opens up your hips, but then there's like this opportunity to take this deep breath in. And like Hafez says, 
take up all the rooms in the house, you know, mm. where it really just fills you up completely. And it's not an easy pose, you know, it's not one of those, yeah, feel good poses body wise, but heart opening wise, it definitely makes me feel good. Okay. Least favorite pose right now. Oh my God. Ukatasana is just a pain in the ass. I hate that, one. <laughs> that one. I'm not too crazy about Uttanasana, the boat pose either. And it's funny because I may, I do boat pose like often. And then we do this little kick your feet and scream. I deserve to be happy. Oh. So I try and just do <laughs> And my students really are like, we have to do the I deserve to be happy thing. And it, it's funny. It's just like this physical kick your feet, kick your hands kind of thing. And you just declare it. And then you can go out and get out and get out of it and stuff. But yeah, Uttanasana and Ukatasana. And usually I do Ukatasana in Uttanasana as a practice. So it's kind of a get all the way through it kind of thing. Yeah, you get them all through at once. And they do, sometimes they feel better after. But yeah, those aren't, neither of those are my favorite. I don't, I like Ukatasana, but any core work I'm not interested in. <laughs> And it's funny because you, when I took your class, it was all core. I felt like your classes were like really, you know, they were they were physically challenging. I loved your classes. <laughs> yeah, um, I was I a lot to, younger then. <laughs> <laughs> I used to describe the Lotus classes as like, you know, what kind of meal were you planning on eating that day? Because every day is different, right? Maybe you want a light soup, which was like Genevieve stretch class. Or you wanted a real hearty meal, which was like Jasmine's class or like your class where you were just like left and you were like, yeah, I did some yoga. <laughs> and then all the classes, you know, and it was like, I just want to dance around, which was like Kara's class. And, you know, it just depended on what kind of meal you're interested in for that day. Oh, I love thinking about yoga classes like that. That's really nice. Or different practices. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think that was like the perfect place to end. Um, but can you, I know people are going to want to know about your classes. So can you tell us where to find you? Um, let's see. I am working for Body and Soul Yoga Collective and we, I'm teaching 7 a.m. Wednesdays and Fridays, but you can always record the class, you know, um, download it and then you can watch it anytime because a lot of my students aren't morning students and they like to, you know, take it in the evening or something like that. And it's the same kind of, pep energy that you, you know, you need a little shot in the arm, a little, um, you know, a pat on the back, you know, taking time to take care of yourself so you can take care of others. That's my biggest thing is no, you know, don't feel guilty about it. You're recharging your battery. So take some time. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us with me today. Right. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. I've been thinking a lot about that conversation with Adriana and the part I just keep coming back to and I actually even wrote it down is when she was talking about alcoholism and she said, it's okay to romanticize about alcoholism and still be in recovery. You have to be honest. There are reasons why I drank and it made me feel really good and it made me feel really bad and you need to live on both sides of it. I really keep thinking about that and I, you know, in a certain way I feel like alcoholism is a relationship right it's your relationship with alcohol and in a way your relationship with yourself but I think there's this sort of temptation when a relationship ends like you know it could be your relationship with your yoga practice your relationship with a person your relationship with whoever whatever whoever 
Um, but there's this temptation when it ends to only see the bad part, which maybe is a part of healing, like in the beginning, uh, at the end, you know, in the beginning of a relationship, at the beginning of the end of a relationship, you know, I'm thinking of like dating someone, you do kind of have to hate them for a little while to like get through it <laughs> and not call them, you know. Um, but I, I think it is so important eventually to see the whole picture and to be honest, as Adriana says, like to see the good times and the bad times. Like, it doesn't mean she's going to drink again, right? It doesn't mean that relationship isn't over, her relationship with alcohol or whatever, your relationship with whatever it is that ends. But I think it is so important to be honest about the good and the bad. And it's, I, I, it's, I think, I don't know, I, I think sometimes in drugs, in drug addiction or alcoholism or, or a relationship or a marriage or anything like that, I think sometimes when those things and, and and your temptation is to just say that they're all bad, right? Every experience you had when you were in the throes of that, whatever it was, relationship with drugs or alcohol or a person or a job even, right? Is to say it was all bad. But then that part of your life was all bad, <laughs> right? So I, I just think it was so, it's so wise of Adriana to point out that like, it's okay to to still see the good in, in those moments, right? Because it was still part of her life. It's still part of your life, whatever it is that ends. I don't know if I'm making any sense at all. It's just something, you know, it's like one of those things I think I've been thinking about in the shower and on walks or whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it is actually, it's up to like 35 degrees here today from it's been 10 for basically mm, a week. So I'm going to go outside and walk because it, feels like summer to me <laughs> honestly I'm so broken down with Chicago winter but I'm very actually happy don't even need you know two two coats just one coat today so I'm gonna go out there and go for a walk but enjoy your practice and I'm very excited to talk again soon and again please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and um yeah happy practicing see you soon bye